to the 40th episode of Ron Nick's Rundown. That's right, the 40th episode of Ron Nick's Rundown. Thank you all for supporting me and, and Nick through this journey. And yes, this is the 40th episode of Ron Nick's Rundown. Nick is not with me for this episode, but we definitely have guests today. And yes, we are here in this episode. We are talking about North Carolina Ante, the greatest university of all time. Yes, the school that I went to. Pretty much this year will be the 15th year that I graduate from this school, which is from this school. This is insane. Yes, North Carolina A&T is leaving the MEAC and will be joining the Big South, and that will be effective July of 2021. That is absolutely insane. Let me rephrase that. 2021. And honestly, I'm definitely in wait-and-see mode, but I'm going to be honest, man. It, it's, it, it's, it's definitely surreal. But I guess it's the move that had to be made at some point, but with the success of our athletic program and with the football program, uh, the especially in the Celebration Bowl included, when A&T has won four out of the last five Celebration Bowls, including three straight. So yes, this is definitely going to be an interesting move, an interesting time for Aggie Land. But I guess we had it's time to make a move and start to uh, what's the what's a better word for it? I guess to see test the waters and see what happens. But yes. North Carolina A&T will be heading to the Big South effective next July, July 2021. And I have two good guests today that I did record these interviews earlier, and I'm definitely ready for you all to listen to them. First guest um, that I'm going to uh, definitely air is Donovan Dooley. He is the ESPN contributor, excuse me, the undefeated contributor, and also the founder of True Bull. And he definitely has great insight and great intel what's going on. Um, he just graduated not too long ago, man, in December. So if anybody is still, you know, connected with the program, it's definitely him. Another Aggie alum that I have is Tyler Ball, who was a former media relations assistant and also a freelance reporter for HBCU Sports. He still works for the university now, and he did graduate in 2001. So we have two great Aggie alums here um, in this pod that I think you guys will hear. I know you guys are definitely are definitely looking forward to hearing their opinions. But for now, let's get started with our first guest, Donovan Dooley. All right, guys, uh, my guest at this time is the uh, contributor for The Undefeated. He wrote a great article about this story of North Carolina A&T moving to the Big South and also is a proud founder of Trubal and also, he recently graduated in December. Donovan Dooley, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I feel good to be on the other side of school. I'm going to look that I don't have to buy a book anymore. Yeah, it's got to be a great feeling, man. I mean, yeah, when I when I left school, I was like, oh, my God, I don't have to go to classes anymore. About how, yeah, it's just it's a huge adjustment, isn't it? Yeah, definitely so. Um, you know, definitely coming back home and working remote. And doing, doing some different things, you know, after school is different, you know, I'm just happy I don't have to wake up for another 8 a.m. to go into, <laughs> to another PowerPoint lecture, you know, that's, that's been the biggest blessing, though, <laughs> you know, graduate life, you know, a alumnus life, yeah. I'm happy to be in the size of it. Yeah, welcome to alumnus life, man, I'll be, well, a, a late welcome to alumnus life, man, um, I know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about All this. Right. Let's talk about this move, man. Uh, I know you wrote a great article about the uh, A&T going to the Big South. What are your thoughts overall about this move? Um, my thoughts overall on this move, you know, I think it's really interesting. 
um, move when you talk about it from not only A&T's perspective, but what's it been for HBCUs in general and what's it been for HBCU sports in general as, as we move forward, you know, into this new age where you have a lot of schools like A&T who will be looking to make, you know, moves that are beneficial for them and beneficial for themselves mm-hmm. and where those lead other HBCUs um, moving forward. You know, because with actually North Carolina A&T, um, I think it's been pretty, um, you know, pretty, pretty chronicles. It's been pretty um, well-versed. They are success in athletics over the years. You know, and basically it's kind of interesting. They lead the MEAC at a time where they were literally almost on top of everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, they lead the MEAC at a time where the track program um, both men's and women's outdoor finished in the top 15 in the nation mm-hmm. last year. Obviously, we know about the success of the football team when the four out of the last five HBC national championships. Um, the women's basketball team that just recently went undefeated in the regular season um, in the MEAC. Um, then you got men's basketball right now, which is fighting for a first place spot in the MEAC as we see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, it's just been a really interesting move on their part. Um, obviously, when you talk about money for North Carolina A&T, moving to the Big South, helps them cut down on travel expenses significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one of the things that's in the press conference is the Big South, the busing league, and what they mean by that is they have, um, majority of their schools are in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So there's going to be less travel time and less travel expenses. Um, on the school, um, which will certainly help A&T from that perspective. The only way that will really hurt A&T is now you're asking the fan base and you're asking students to come out and support the Aggies against teams that traditionally our HBCU audiences haven't really cared about. <laughs> and <laughs> right. that's the thing that is um, going to be a challenge for A&T moving forward. I mean, I think if you ask schools who have made similar moves before, um, you look at Tennessee State, the the Ohio Valley Conference, and certainly if you look at Hampton, that made this exact move from the MEAC to the Big South until right. um, a couple of years ago, you know, while they still tried to schedule um, some HBCU opponents, um, it, it's become a whole lot harder to try to fit those same robberies into into their schedule um, and try to get fans still what they want uh, with, with still trying to meet the conference recommendations with con- and a, the conference requirements that they have to in the Big South. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the biggest overall challenge for A&T is being able to try to get their fan base and their students and their supporters to go to go watch them play rapper, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely uh, thank you for reminding us, first and foremost, the Aggie excellence of this athletic program for the last few years, first and foremost. Um, <laughs> for sure. We, right. we, we got to remind everybody that. Um, <laughs> but let me uh, let me ask you, as uh, far as like if the big the big South far as giving it more exposure, say like, for instance, obviously the Aggie football team 
dominating the Celebration Bowl almost every year. Um, pretty much majority of the of, the, of its existence. Um, how do you do you think uh, the, the FCS playoffs will give this football team better exposure as to the Celebration Bowl? Um, to answer that question, I'll say no because when you gotta look at the Celebration Bowl in its totality, um, and there's a lot of other factors that are in play here. So we have to mention those before we get into the conversation. Um, you know, the MEX, you know, connection with the Celebration Bowl. Um, we don't know how much longer the Celebration Bowl is going to last. I mean, it was on a six-year deal that that mm-hmm. ends in 2020. Right. Um, so we don't know if that's going to get renewed or not. And A&T does not know that either. Um, we mm-hmm. don't know if ESPN will choose to keep the Celebration Bowl going. Um, however, I believe that Pinkhead <laughs> has benefited substantially from playing in the Celebration Bowl for the last five years since the inception. I believe they have been the school that generated the most revenue and generated the most publicity and just generated the greatest amount of benefit from playing in the Celebration Bowl over the last year. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I mentioned in my article was um, if you look at A&P's attendance numbers, especially if, if you look at freshman enrollment in the last five years, majority like, I think it's four out of the last five years, North Carolina A&T has had the largest class to ever come to A&T. Mm-hmm. I think it's four out of the last five years. Mm. And, you know, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that you can say that the Celebration Bowl had zero impact on those numbers. I definitely believe that when North Carolina A&T is playing in the game on ABC on national television, as being seen by two million plus viewers right. almost every year, I definitely think that has some effect to do with how your school is growing and how your school continues to grow and is now the largest HBCU in the country. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that has a huge effect on the school in general. So this move is not just, um, I think a lot of people don't really understand how big this move is. This move is not just from an athletic perspective, this move is going to affect the university um, as a whole. And like I said before, it's going to affect um, HBCUs moving forward because now one of the things that ECN has to look at is, is this. If they choose to continue with the celebration mode, are they going to be able to get the same um, financial benefit that they would have got from it before when they could basically count on AMT making it every year? Right. Because one thing we know about Aggies is the Aggies travel mm-hmm. and the Aggies support. Oh, yes. Especially when it comes to big time games like this, especially in the Celebration Bowl. Yes. And it, the fan base was notorious for going down there in droves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like going there supporting Celebration Bowl, um, buying tickets, watching the game, buying hotels down there in Atlanta, buying food. Like, it was the Aggies were a big um, revenue generator for ESPN in this game. And will we get the same support from other schools? And that's yet to be seen too. So that's something that we have to, they have to take into account. And so the future of the Celebration Bowl could be in jeopardy. The future of the MEAC could be in jeopardy. And the future of HBC sports we know them could be in jeopardy all based on this move. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as, the, yeah, that Celebration Bowl definitely has brought uh, the Aggie brand, well, the Aggie pride brand uh, to the next level for sure, and I, like I said, the athletic, pro, athletic program has been 
outstanding. And yeah, and like you said, in Celebration Ball Band, though, the travel is insane. It gets bigger and bigger, it seems like, each and every year, especially this year, um, for sure. Um, I got to ask you this. Uh, how big of a loss is this going to be for the MEAC? I think it's going to be a huge loss for the MEAC. Um, and like I mentioned before, Hampton left a few years prior. Right. Um, and went to the Big South. And the same that moved to A&T is doing. However, <laughs> no disrespect to Hampton or all disrespect to Hampton. I don't really care. <laughs> when, you look at, when you look at Hampton and what they were able to do athletically, it pales in comparison to what North Carolina A&T has been. In athletics. Right. AT has been a behemoth in HBCU athletics for the latter part of this decade, mm-hmm. you know. And for them to leave the act, arguably your best school, um, your most functional school, your most consistent school uh, when it comes to athletics, not only on an HBCU, in an HBCU realm, but a national realm, mm-hmm. where like I said, you're playing on ABC national television almost every year. You sent three guys in the last three years to the NFL draft. You got guys like Tariq Cohen, Brandon Parker, Gerald Johnson, who are actually on NFL rosters making it, making an impact. Right. You know, and then you have the look at um, people like Kayla White who are breaking records in track, people like Chris Belcher who are breaking records in track all over the field, all over um in that sport, in that realm too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this it's huge. It's huge for the MEAC because now where where are they gonna get that exposure from? Mm-hmm. Where are they gonna get that exposure from? Uh, when A T has left. It's, I, I kind of look look at it like this, it's like, you know, when LeBron left Cleveland to the sense it's like you know what I mean? It's the best, it's the best, undoubtedly, undoubtedly the best program. And the MEAC has just chosen to leave you. Yep. And where is that going to lead other schools now moving forward? Mm. It's like, it's like the NBA. Like when LeBron left 2010, you know, when LeBron left 2010, where does the second best player go? Where does the third best player go now? Mm. Now it's going to be really interesting to sit here and watch what his brand new going to do. Mm-hmm. What is Howard? What is Howard going to do? What is more folks say? What's South Carolina State? What are those schools going to choose, going to, choose to do now? Now that A and T is up to the act, and a lot of their cachet has left with the Aggies. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's going to be one of the most interesting, most interesting things to to look for now is what are these schools going to do moving forward, especially when we see the struggles that with Don Cookman is having with their accreditation. Mm-hmm. How? Is that going to affect everything moving forward? The Aggies, you know, might just make a move that is can not only shift me at forever, but it's saying HBC Sports has to go down forever. So it's going to be a really interesting um, move to see what happens moving forward. Hmm. Yeah, that that's definitely a great perspective there, man. I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah, this is the MEAC coming to their fiftieth next academic year will be their fiftieth year in the the fiftieth year of the con, the conference existence. And yeah, after and after this year, A&T will be gone. Yeah, it's gonna be a big loss for sure. Um, I definitely want to talk about a couple a couple other things. As far as I know, Brandon Parker, Tariq Cohen, some of the former and current players you had in our guard, Jermaine, yeah, Jermaine Martin. Um, yeah, definitely, uh, pretty much, you know, definitely voiced their displeasure of it. I know Brandon Parker saying, you know, 
people come to like you've mentioned, people come to to see A and T play other HBCUs, and now with that, you know, like Brandon Parker from the Las Vegas Raiders, and and of course a MEAC Offensive Player of the Year, Offensive Lineman of the Year, excuse me, (laughs) and you know, and you know, with Tariq Cohen saying, you know, this he he believed it, this you know he tweeted out it hurts the culture with this move and so forth and so forth. Um, just talk about, I know when you, when you spoke with some of these players, uh, did it feel like anger? Did it feel like disappointment or just, you know, just give me what was, what was their kind of had the vibe that you felt when you spoke with at least Brandon Parker and Jimmy Martin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think disappointment, um, was the best word that you use. Um, I think once, especially talking about Brandon, I think when, then Brandon had our conversation. You can definitely feel the disappointment that he had in the school's decision to move. Um, but he also, you know, he, he said the school had a responsibility to make the, the best financial decision um, because he, he knew that we did that he did not want his alma mater to be out here looking like you know other HBCUs were having you know financial difficulties. However, he just felt like. It just wasn't the smartest move, especially at this moment in time, you know, to ask your fan base and your supporters to have to uproot everything that they've known for the past, you know, however many years, you know, and try to try to take on this new challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just, and it's like I said before, like it's just going to be a, a way, a completely different battle for A and T to try to um, appeal to their fan base, try to get them to play a game against High Point University than yeah. it is you know, for any country again that we're playing against FAMU. It's just, it's just going to be a different battle. It's going to yeah. be a different battle for them, no matter how close uh, schools are and distance. It, it's just a different battle because it's like I was telling somebody beforehand, like A&T will travel when A&T played Dukes. You know, A&T will travel when A&T has to play North Carolina or when they have to play ECU, these FBS schools, because they're adopting that underdog mentality, you know, that HBCU underdog mentality to try to, do, try to defeat these FBS programs. When you're playing other FBS schools and these PWIs that people rarely have even heard of, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to keep that same mentality as a fan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's going to be a thing that they're going, that they're going to have to continue to fight and um, as they try to get, try to continue to leverage support for the Aggies, but you know, talking with them, it just felt like they were. It felt they're just going. It felt they're just going. Um, and I, I actually speaking with John Main too. Uh, you know, he he was killed on record. It was dumb. <laughs> they didn't want to move. Like yeah. point blank period, he said it was it was a dumb move. Mm-hmm. You know, and he he one thing he was scared of is. You know, what does this mean for H- for North Carolina A&T culturally? You know, mm-hmm. where will the eight world the the largest HBCU and you know arguably the best HBCU in the country right now? What perception will this give the university? You know, will it lose its number one status as the HBCU? Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's definitely in jeopardy because it's like I mentioned earlier when you look at schools like. Um, Tennessee State and Hampton, who have left or who are now a part of um, HBCU conferences, they become outsiders. Mm. They become outsiders, and you tend to forget about them. Mm. You know, no matter how much talent that they may have, no matter um, what accomplishments. 
Shout out to Jamie Martin, man. Yeah, you know, the entire football team who's who definitely uh did an incredible job, obviously, this obviously this past season. And definitely shout out to all the Aggies right, right now in the NFL, obviously the XFL and, and the XFL that start this week. Um I know there's one player that was there um, <laughs> for what I saw. But de- but definitely shout out to them for sure. Shout out to all of them. Um one more question for you, man, before we leave. Uh, where do you see this program now in the big, I will say probably next maybe five to ten years? Where would you see the athletic program in A&T? That's a very, that's a very interesting question because, you know, the Big South is going to be a really interesting move for A&T for, for a number of reasons because now um, A&T is expanding um, the way they have to recruit talent and expanding the way that they go about, you know, their process because not only are they are they competing with, you know, other HBCUs to get talent now, they're competing with, you know, these schools, these BWIs, um, <laughs> to get mm-hmm. to get these level of talent. So, um, for the next for the next five, ten years, you know, I'll say this, I think A and T will make the adjustment. Um, I think they will turn out to be successful in the big South. Now if that if that leads to championship um, you know, who knows? I don't know how many of those they'll be able they'll be able to acquire. Um, you know, leaving the celebration bowl was a you know a major jump because now instead of net profiting five hundred thousand to six hundred thousand dollars every time you go work in the MEAC in Atlanta, now you're giving that up and betting on the chance of you guys make of AT making it to the FCS quarterfinals and the playoffs um, to try to recoup some more money uh, because I mean, Coach Washington's on record saying that you have to make it to the FCS quarterfinals and the playoffs just be just be way even mm. of the expenses that you will um, have right. when you go into the FCS playoff system. Mm-hmm. So A&T is, A&T is betting on um, different factors and you know, hopefully they can be successful, hopefully the fan base We'll root for A&T. I mean, there's still a significant portion of fans that are just going to root for the Aggies just because they are the Aggies, no matter no matter who they play. Right. Um, but <laughs> I believe there's a larger portion of fans that are going to be rooting for. You know, we're going to have to get adjusted to these new teams that A&T is um, starting to play. And, um, you know, so like, like, like everybody, of course, knows winning cures all. Yep. <laughs> winning that winning definitely cures all. So if A D can become successful, especially if they can start in twenty twenty one, breaking into the big south with a splash, um, you know, that's gonna help that's gonna help their chances. I mean, they've beaten Gardner Webb and Charles Southern in the in the last two years, both both those teams are in the big south already. Yeah. Um, so they they've shown the ability to be able to compete um, with the with these schools. Um, just if they'll find themselves at the top of the at the top of this conference, 
and um, yet to be seen. Uh, but we'll see. We will see. I don't really have a projector for them, whether they're going to be five, ten years from now, but all I know is winning your ball. And so, if they can get some people on this bandwagon that, you know, are a little skeptical of this move, that's going to be the best thing for them. Yeah, man. For sure. I definitely, and I'm in wait and see mode myself, but I definitely can't wait to see what happens down the road with, with of course, uh, one of the greatest, the greatest school, excuse me, the greatest school on earth. <laughs> Donovan, yeah. thank, thank you so much for this, man. And uh, definitely in, enjoy, you know, I know, like I said, you just graduated, so definitely enjoy um, the alumnus life. Um, I know the people will be looking for, do- I'm just warning you right now, people will be looking for donations in the future. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll get plenty of those in the mail. That's for Darren Shore. Yeah, Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so, Donovan, appreciate it, man. All right, guys, uh, our next guest, definitely has lots of expertise with Aggie Sports. He was a former media relations assistant with the school, and he is a freelance reporter with HBCU Sports, and he is a proud alum from 2001. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tyler Ball. Tyler, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, how you doing? I'm all right, man. I'll definitely, I know you definitely, of all people, I know you have great experience with Aggie Sports, so I'm going to just get jump right into it. What are your thoughts on the Big South move? With A&T. Well, the Big South, uh, you look at it judging from the past 20 years, there's a bit of familiarity with the conference opponents, particularly in such sports as men's basketball. Uh, after doing a little bit of research, uh, there's only a handful of years where Aggie basketball did not face an opponent from the Big South or a future opponent that uh, was in the Big South. So it's it's they're not strangers to uh, North Carolina A and T. Uh, you got schools like the like the University of Radford. Uh, you have uh, former members like Liberty and Coastal Carolina. Uh, you see USC Upstate when they were members of the Atlantic Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coastal Carolina, which is uh, which also was a former member, uh, Longwood University, High Point University. Uh, over the years, Aggie basketball has gone up against those those schools, and A and T most recently played a game against Gardner Webb. Uh, we've played Coastal Carolina before they made the move to FB to uh, FBS. So uh, non revenue sports. Uh, they play big South opponents all the time, and uh, baseball is baseball and softball as well. So uh, there's a hint of familiarity, and it's really uh, it's really not necessarily a surprise. Maybe a surprise to many, but there has been reported interest that A and T wanted to make this move for quite some time. Uh, I feel that uh, we had to. You know, take our time to do this, and it would rather be now before uh, anything else. Uh, with the issues that go that are going on with other MEAC schools, I think the time is now, and ANT is at a position 
where athletically not only we can compete, but we can uh, possibly win some championships in the Big South. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember in the press conference, they did, I did remember them hearing this will give the school great exposure. We definitely have great exposure already, obviously, with our Celebration Bowl. And notice how I say our Celebration Bowl because we've won four of the last five. And obviously, three-peat <laughs> as the champs. So with the Celebration Bowl, how will this give our football program and you know and our athletics bigger exposure? Well, we return to the one double A playoffs. Um, and I believe it's a bit of bit of irony that you know people wanted to people wanted to be a part of the national championship, but especially our fans. Mm-hmm. And once they got a taste of the celebration bowl, you know, people started to lean the other way. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the one double A national championship is what uh, our chancellor pointed out that we we're seeking, and that is the ultimate goal. Uh, the celebration bowl just happened to be a great opportunity, and we and fortunately our team was good enough to win four out of the five titles. Right, but overall. It's, it's always been about winning a national championship, no matter what, whether mm-hmm. it be HBCU or the NCAA FCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, this is the opportunity. Uh, why? So if we're competing, so the question is, why would we make the move? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, considering that the Big South put two teams in the uh, FCS playoffs last year, uh, we've seen the MEAC actually get the short end of the stick with, uh, South, for example, South Carolina State last season, having beaten a team that well, that made the playoffs in their regular season, and they were denied entry into the uh, FCS playoffs. And there have been several, uh, you know, several instances where the seating was not favorable uh, for teams over the years, and that could explain why the uh, why the records have been uh, they have, have not performed as well. Even North Carolina Ante's last appearance in the in the SCS playoffs was against uh, Richmond, and we did not quite have the horses to keep up with mm-hmm. the, uh, the with the Spiders at that time. So. I believe we're in a better position. We've recruited much better. I think we we have a lot more talent than we have before. Uh, we got, and actually we that talent came together as we got a victory against Big South Bow Charleston Southern this mm. past season. So right. Uh, so yeah, and there is some there is some expo there is some expo- exposure concerns, but the main concern is trying to go and win that national title. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And I think the move is is good, definitely, I think, far as, you know, definitely getting better competition, for sure. I definitely think it's a good move, um, at least uh, for now. I'm definitely going to obviously wait and see and play it out. But I like I think it's a, it's a good idea to take to the next step. Um, let me ask you one other thing about travel. How much do you think, far as many schools in Virginia, North Carolina, how much better will that be for student athletes? The, the reality is that when you take away football, the uh, football trips to Monmouth, the, uh, the football, uh, let's see, Monmouth, Gulf Alabama, and Kennesaw State for right. as long as they stay in the Big South. Right. You take those away, A&T barely has to leave 
Virginia, the state of Virginia or, the, or South Carolina to go to games. Right. And all those other schools will be within a three-hour drive of Greensboro. Mm-hmm. So that that changes the quality of life for student athletes. And then you look at non-revenue sports, and those non-revenue sports may not have to leave at all. They don't have to go. They don't have to make those trips up north to the Delawares, the uh, Delawares, or the Floridas, or or even the Marylands. So that significantly cuts down travel time and travel expenditures, and those resources can be flipped in other ways. Right. Um, and I can I I can go ahead and address that. My it is my personal belief that this is a preparation for football to take that next step and go into the FBS at some point. Mm. If not if not three or four years, maybe it may be five to ten, but that is seen as a possible goal and this is one way we can cut down some of those expenses and have those funds available uh, when when if and when AMC decides to make that next step. Yeah, what would you think would be a great FBS conference for the football team in a few years down the road? I think we can follow in the footsteps of uh, of a Charlotte, mm-hmm. uh, who we have who we have beaten recently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I can say I want. Um, well, there's there's uh, Conference USA. We could follow uh, Charlotte in the Conference USA. We could mm-hmm. we could do. Um, you could look at I, I would be that would be the one to point to, right? Simply because of the state of North Carolina connections with that conference, yes, and the level of the level of alumni giving, the level of endowment, the level of uh, athletic budgets. I believe that is more of a fit for us, Appalachian State as well. Yes, uh, we want to look at look at conferences in, of. In that in that area, we want we still want to have those regional advantages, mm-hmm. especially with our home crowd. Yes, and I believe that that would be the choice. Yeah, and I would I would love to see it. I mean, I think I definitely think that definitely is the goal with this conference. It's just someday going down the road. I'm I'm definitely with you for us FBS dream, and I hope I me obviously I hope it succeeds. But let me ask you this question. Obviously. With the BAC, uh, this the next ag- academic year heading to the 50th year in the conference, and by by next year, obviously, we'll be gone. How much of a loss this will be for the MEAC? Well, uh, I, I I said on my on Facebook page that it's going to be a big loss. Uh, of course, North Carolina NT is a founding member of the institution of the institutions. Yes, it's held together in the face. Of uh, conference movement, com- uh, conference real—well, not necessarily alignment, but conference movement has happened all through the 50 years of the league. Uh, since North Carolina Central and FAMU have stepped in and stepped out on multiple occasions, mm-hmm. uh, we had the, re- the recent attempts of West Salem State and Savannah State to. Uh, to come into the conference, and and those were unsuccessful as they are now back in uh, Division Two. Mm-hmm. We also have had uh, Norfolk State and Hampton come into the league, and uh, Hampton uh, obviously Hampton has moved on to the Big South, and 
Norfolk has decided to stay for now. Yes. So, uh, so there has been constant movement, and and even it, when A T was at a crossroads in the 1986-87 season, uh, there had to be some some tough decisions that were made. Uh, A T was considering to leave the uh, MEAC and maybe take a step into the Southern Conference or even the Atlantic Coast, uh, even the younger Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, mm-hmm. possibly. Mm-hmm. However, uh, all under the leadership of Orby Moss, uh, Orby, uh, Mr. Moss decided to uh, keep a t within the MEAC and eventually a t would grow on, would go on to um, not only be successful in that era, uh, but actually win championships later on with the hire of uh, Bill Hayes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I think it is. I'm, I'm with you, though, as far as the loss it will be for that conference. It's going to be definitely a huge loss. But one more question. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You guys oh, see- just one thing. I want to add this. Uh, I believe the A&T is the flat is, you can say the word flagship for the MEAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a very strong uh, we have a very strong base of uh, base of fans that travel extremely well, uh, particularly in certain areas. Uh, you can you can look at the uh, the Tidewater uh, DC area, which is a which is a very large uh, summation of alumni chapters. Absolutely, uh, particularly particularly DC. Yep. Uh, you can look at the way we have supported. The celebration bowl, where we have we have seriously outdrawn um, we have outdrawn the the swag opponent. Uh, of course, we have an, we have a, a three week advantage in doing that, but but our allotment of tickets sells out within days. Right. Uh, actually, not days, one day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and we we were we were encouraged to buy even more tickets because of the fact that the the AT's allotment literally sold out in in, in twelve hours. So our fan base is very strong, and that is one of the main reasons why this is going to be felt around the MEAC as a big loss. Yeah. Uh, we also have both our crowd attendances have bolstered the MEAC basketball tournament uh, when our teams fare well. Uh, A&T fans, fans fill the stands, and that's, that's no secret in the league. Yes. Uh, that, that that isn't those those aren't rumors. Absolutely, uh, we've always been near the top of the league in attendance in in both revenue sports. Uh, we have a nationally recognized atmosphere called we now call it Club Corbett. Mm-hmm. It was known as the <laughs> the student section was now known as the Dog Pound, but now the entire arena is known as Club <laughs> Corbett. That's right. Uh, where they bring a we make an atmosphere that is conducive. For this, for a home court advantage, <laughs> and yep. of course, uh, last uh, in the last decade, North Carolina A&T was recognized as the 65th best men's basketball program in the country, yep. and both the men's and women's basketball programs have benefited by having multiple long winning streaks mm. in the uh, overall and in conference play. Yep. I'm definitely proud of the Aggie basketball team, the men's team right now. I'm, I definitely love what I've seen over there in Club Corbett, and I know they're playing FAMU at um, at this moment. So definitely shouts out to the basketball team for sure. I got to ask you one more question. Uh, far as uh, I, and you mentioned the fan base already, but 
just uh, speak to the people. I know there's been former players. There's been maybe other Aggies who feel that this will hurt the culture, as far as the HBCU culture. How do you feel about that? Okay. Uh, first of all, we make the culture. Right. When it comes, the culture that we, and I'm going to speak to this in terms of of recruiting and bringing future student athletes to A&T's campus. Absolutely. The campus culture is determined by students, student leadership, and our home crowds when we bring the recruits into campus. That's what they see. Yes. It has, it has very, very, very little to do with whom we play. Mm-hmm. We're going after, after student we're going after student athletes that want an opportunity, and if they and and they also want to be a part of the HBCU culture. That has always been sold to the students, and that always will be sold to our students. We are unique because of number one, our our school size. We are the largest public HBCU in the country. Yes, <laughs> um, that doesn't change. Yes, we also are still going to schedule other HBCUs on occasionally, whether it be football or basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, we do have some, we do have some contracts with some, with some other schools that are, that are still going to be honored, but there are plenty of opportunities where we may play two or three or maybe even, even four HBCU teams in, in one season. And that doesn't even include our, con- our, our new uh, fellow conference member that would be Hampton. We can present that series. Right. So I believe that culturally it is what's in the confines from Market Street to Sullivan Street mm-hmm. to to Dudley Street slash uh slash uh Yanceyville Street. You know, it is encompassed in the campus community. That doesn't change. Yes. Now I understand that on campus that the students are, that the current students are looking for ways to enhance that campus culture, and that's great because that's what they should be doing. Right. But that will not change. A&T will still be A&T whether or not we travel to other places or whether or not we are in the confines of Aggie Stadium, uh, the Aggie Softball Complex, the Aggie Baseball Stadium, and Club Corbin. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or even the A and T tennis course, that is still there. The culture is going to always be there, particularly on the campus. Mm. So, we our community makes the culture. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, and I'm gonna add this other element. Uh, we're gonna talk about homecoming. Oh yeah, uh, homecoming is a a massive part of HBCU culture. Absolutely, that does not change. Never will. That, nope. People will support homecoming no matter who it, the opponent is. Yes. Now, yes, there may, there may be some excitement uh, if we play a a familiar rival, mm-hmm. but we can. But in the middle of the era which we were we went winless, we had uh, Virginia University of Lynchburg and still sold the game out. Yeah. So that doesn't. I mean. That's, that does not change. The opponent does not change whether or not homecoming is homecoming. Right. It will always be homecoming. 
uh, alumni will give back because it is their obligation. And on top of that, you feel the winning, you feel winning programs. People will support. Absolutely, absolutely, Tyler. I definitely appreciate this, man. And thank you for reminding everybody that A&T is the best damn school on this planet Earth, <laughs> especially our homecoming. Thank you very much, man. Greatest homecoming on Earth. Yes. Aggie Pride. Aggie Pride, damn right. <laughs> thank you. I would like to thank Dooley and Ball for their opinions and their insight with, with A&T's huge move to the Big South. And like I said, again, it's going to be wait and see mode for me, but this is definitely a huge step for the Aggie, program, for the Aggie athletic program. And I, for one, am looking forward to see what's going to happen here. But thank you to both Dooley and Ball um, for great interviews and taking the time to talk to me on this move. And I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Ron Nick's Rundown. You know, this one obviously was a big one for me because I definitely think North Carolina T is the greatest university in the world. I don't care if I'm biased. We are the best university in the world. Aggie Pride. Thank you all for listening to Ron Nick's Rundown. Can't wait for you all to listen to it next time. <laughs>